Okay, this is what we do best at the Ortho Show. We tell you the stories of, of really amazing orthopedic surgeons. This is Seth Sherman, who's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist, who's an associate professor at Stanford. He's the head team physician out there. He grew up on the rock, Staten Island, where he comes from third, uh, three generations of sports medicine healers. His grandfather was a general surgeon that took care of all the sports teams in Brooklyn. His father uh, on Staten Island was a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon, one of the first fellows at HSS. And Seth has just picked up the torch and run with it. This, the energy of Seth, all of the amazing things that he's done are just impressive. You're going to love this episode, whether we talk about mentorship, whether we talk about social media, uh, his memberships and societies. He is literally one of the most prolific orthopedists of his generation. You are absolutely going to love this episode. Hashtag follow the pro. This episode of the Ortho Show podcast is brought to you by Trackable Med. You work like crazy, but you make less every year. You feel busy, but it's not with the procedures you want. The problem is you rely on referrals, which are out of your control. Maybe you've tried advertising, maybe a new website, but there are always questions. Is it working? Am I wasting money? How can you get more of the patients you want on purpose? Trackable Med. Trackable Med was born out of a frustration with an advertising industry riddled with a lack of accountability to actual outcomes. With Trackable Med, it's all about the results defined as something you can deposit into a bank account. Results are achieved through an approach rooted in neuroscience advertising, web design, and even appointment setting patient engagement solutions. Everything is designed with purpose towards your goal and all with no contracts. Find out if accelerating patient demand for your practice with Trackable Med is a good fit for you. Visit trackablemed.com and click on free consultation. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best. And we have one of the most prolific orthopedists of his generation, Dr. Seth Sherman, who's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist. He's an associate professor at Stanford, also the fellowship director there. He's the head team physician for the Stanford Cardinal, and I love his background. I can see everybody dancing around in the back there. Seth, it is a pleasure to have you on the show, dude. Hello, Fro. It's great to see you here in the middle of my clinic day. And uh, uh, Albert Einstein's got nothing on you, my friend. Yeah, he's right there back there for me. I know. It's like, and then don't forget about Doc Brown over there. I, on the I just side. realized that's that's Doc Brown. I love it. <laughs> all, of, all of some of my favorite hair people, for sure. Uh, no, that's awesome. So, you know, Seth, you and I become, you know, not just colleagues, but we're friends. We spent a, a bunch of time doing some really cool stuff. And, you know, I really have to say I truly admire your passion for education, all the things you do. So we'll get to all of that. But we always like to start at the beginning, you know, the cool stories of how you thought about orthopedic surgery. And I have to say, I'm pretty confident you have the most unique story when it comes to team physicians. So you are third generation for team surgeon uh, in your family. So let's go through it. Let's talk about grandpa and dad and your childhood and how, how this all played out for you. 
Thanks, Scott. It's so fun to bring back to memories and to talk about it. Um, you know, basically anyone that's any uh, one is uh, from Brooklyn. And so that's where it all started for us in Bensonhurst. Uh, my grandfather was a general surgeon uh, and he really uh, embraced the community and understood about team doctoring really before there was any team doctoring. And he took care of all the teams in Brooklyn for free for 60 plus years. Uh, they named the Lafayette High School field uh, for him while he was alive. So I got to see that. And I was really there towards the twilight of his you know, career. Um, basically, my Saturdays were uh, going fishing with dad and grandpa, going to the game, having a docs clinic where all the kids from all the teams uh, would come and, uh, you know, share war stories and, and their injuries. And then, uh, you know, we'd basically uh, go to Nathan's. And so I grew up with the bug. I was I was there at the right time. Uh, my grandfather had four sons, uh, all surgeons, and actually my mom's three brothers are all surgeons. So seven out of eight in that generation. Uh, and I'm I'm the only one in this generation. Uh, my little brother is uh, an attorney. So there we go. Oh, that is, that's awesome. So, so you're like doing orthopedic exams at the age of like seven years old, you know, hanging out with grandpa and dad on the field. That's really cool. Seeing things all the way across. And then Nathan's, I mean, like how classic. I love it. I love it. And now, and then you got to talk about dad. I mean, dad's an amazing orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist, Staten Island, which I think is where you did most of your growing up or. Yeah, of course I'm, I'm from the rock from Staten Island and uh, you know, dad uh, transitioned uh, my grandfather. So my dad actually still takes care of that Lafayette high school team and helps through HSS to cover a lot of the other public school teams in New York city uh, has given back his entire career. I grew up, uh, you know, learning true sports medicine skills from him. Uh, he, uh, you know, was there in the early days with the arthroscope through the eyepiece. Uh, he had a great interest, as we can discuss if you want, about ACL primary repair and helped, you know, kind of with the his Sherman classification, which is still a, a topic of interesting hot debate. We talk every day about orthopedics. Uh, you know, he's a community doctor, but has a worldly perspective and really, uh, you know, and gave me that academic and intellectual curiosity from a, a young age and busted my chops a bit and made me a better person, better doctor. I love it. So we, you know, Michael Ast was just on a couple of weeks ago and like he was one of dad's patients as well, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yep, so for I mean, sure. Yeah, no, I, I just love it. And I just, I'm envisioning, you know, as I was training, watching the urologist use the same scope as we do. At least we were looking through the eyeball into the knee. Those guys had to look down into the, uh, into the <laughs> Netherlands down in there with their eyeballs right down in there. I'm like, what's going on? Thank God they finally came up with cameras, right? Dad remembers <laughs> a story from the old days when he was the fellow, Russ Warren was uh, attending, or they were both young attendings, and they broke something in, in some part of the knee that couldn't retrieve with the damn eyepiece. And that, that must have been a, a quite a challenge. <laughs> they survived uh, it. They still talk. <laughs> it really is amazing how, how much technology has really evolved in a relatively short period of time, if you think. I mean, you know, we had uh, Brian Colby on soon, and we were talking about when we, in 95, 96, we were literally just throwing in these stupid anchors, which were making everybody get synovitis, because it was the only thing that we could do around the biceps tendon, because we just didn't have like real arthroscopic shoulder techniques. And think about all the stuff that we do these days. And so, so, so for you, it was destiny. I mean, did you have, you didn't, it was like from your earliest memories, was it like, I'm going to just do what grandpa and dad do? Yeah, I think uh, it was so obvious to see their enthusiasm and passion. I mean, it's the weekend and they're loving their job and, you know, they look forward to Mondays and they, they carried that energy uh, home after work and into like, you know, coaching my, you know, basketball game. So, I mean, that, that, family oriented uh doctoring mentality and to see the way you know i never 
paid for a haircut growing up. I mean, you know, we're uh, New York Jewish Italian people. So it was kind of all, you know, you're my doctor uh, or doctor's family. You know, there was there was kind of social capital there. It just was a, a real formative time. And just to see and to have the opportunity to give back to people is something that I've just carried through, uh, you know, all the way to the present. No, I love it. Now, one of the things that, that I know about you is that you certainly do not uh, do not lack for the the ability to work hard and, and push yourself. So you become the valedictorian of your high school. Was it Susan Hall? Did I do my homework? OK, <laughs> pretty well. Susan Wagner. Published no, Susan Wagner. OK, yeah. I, was, I was close. That was, was good. Close. All right. So, I'm so impressed. You're, you're the valedictorian of the rock. I Where the heck that. did you find that? Oh, I, I went, I went deep. I went deep for sure. All right. So, so dude, you're like, you're the valedictorian of the rock. Okay. And now it's like, there's destiny for, for orthopedic surgery. Yeah. So now you get into your university of Pennsylvania, your undergrad, you're going to go kick ass. You're going to take numbers. You're going to go to medical school and, uh, and tell us the story. Did you all work out as planned and then off to Cornell medical school? Yeah, you know, I think um, key points just for, you know, when I'm talking to other young people sharing my, you know, stories that while it seemed on paper that I was always predestined to do orthopedic surgery and sports medicine, and yes, I did ultimately wind up there. You know, I think I approached every aspect of everything with some curiosity and seeing if I wanted to do that, meaning, you know, the same passion to the damn medicine rotation and OB-GYN that I, that I brought to the orthopedics rotation. I think some people can get complacent. I, I tried to never do that. That said, you know, um, it was crystal clear to me when I got on the sports service that this was where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I think um, for the most part, you know, luckily, um, and, you know, obviously through hard work and effort, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, get through the, those, um, that decade and, and get to where, you know, I needed and wanted to be. So the formative years, and then, of course, the consummate overachiever, always looking for the best. You head off to HSS for residency, you know, obviously one of the greatest residencies in our country, if not the world. So, you know, had to have been a remarkable experience. You had all these great sports medicine leaders there, iconic people, you know, Russ Warren, Alchek, all these guys. And was it just amazing? Yeah, I'd say just uh, also to knock myself, they also call it the hospital for surgeon's son. So there you go, you know, so, uh, but, but I think that speaks to, um, you know, I, yes, I was fortunately, I mean, uh, the top student at Cornell Med School, and I did well on the tests and, uh, you know, was able to get into HSS, but I approached day one and every minute there with a chip, you know, and I had to you know, be the first one there, the last to leave. I had to always be humble, respectful, and never give anyone an opportunity to say, hey, that's, you know, so-and-so's, you know, kid or blah, blah, blah. And so I always took that responsibility. Uh, that said, it was like a candy land for orthopedic surgery and not just in sports medicine. I mean, these are all these greats under one roof. I mean, a huge standalone orthopedic center, you know, is at uh, or becoming the best in, in the planet, arguably. And, and so it's such a cool place to be and a place to train. I mean, that um, network that I have to this day is just extremely special to me. Yeah, the hospital for surgeons' sons. <laughs> we've, had know good, we've had some good pearls on this one. I love it. Uh, all great. So, all right. So once again, you know, you're working your tail off and you're doing amazing at the best, you know, residency, if you will. And then, of course, you got to go to Rush. And I mean, I got to tell you, man, I love the Rush fellows. And, you know, we've had, you know, a number of, you know, dear friends that have gone through the program at this point. And just, I mean, it's just unbelievable, the talent 
uh, that uh, of the people that get into and it's really difficult. I mean, like you can look left and right when you're at Rush. And, you know, everybody's got like a 20 page CV, they've been published in 100 books, and, you know, amazing research that they've done. And it's really just an amazing camaraderie in a group that that uh, has been put together there. And I'm sure that had to have been a very special year. Yeah, I think that one was a really hard one for me to, you know, leave HSS, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, my father actually was the first fellow at HSS under John Marshall. Uh, And so, you know, again, uh, there was a thought or expectation I might just stay and and stay forever and you know uh, I gave everything a a hard look and there were amazing programs at that time a couple others as well that I looked at at the end of the day you know Bernie Bach had built and was building uh, the the team the small group mentality the mom and pop shop the um, mentorship the longitudinal care you know just all these things and frankly uh, just the depth and breadth of the challenging patients that every day I learned something and saw something new and different in fellowship. And I, I think that's kind of a unique, uniquely rush uh, experience uh, uh, because, you know, soup to nuts, they treat all comers and different, you know, uh, um, all the way from the poorest patients all the way to the richest and the workman worker class in between and and neglected pathology and chronic complex and failed. So, I mean, I really got to see it all. And in a condensed period, um, I hated the Bulls. I'm a, uh, you know, Knicks fan <laughs> to heart, but I learned to love them. And we had an awesome experience that year going to the Eastern Conference finals. And so, um, you know, I'm still so uh, close to my Rush family uh, as well. And um, I'm just really proud of, of what uh, we were able to be a part of, uh, you know, for, um, for that group. I think they really do that well. And I think family is a really good term. Uh, you guys really stay close and, and you just see and watch it through your interactions, whether it's at society meetings or social media, you know, you guys are all really, really doing well. I mean, I'm, it's such an impressive group for sure. Um, so, all right, so now here's here's here comes the rub. Here I'm a little confused here right now, right? So you've done all this great stuff, and you call you call your wife Sylvia, and you say, "All right, Sylvia, here's the deal, honey. We've gone to all these great places, and now we're going to Missouri." I'm like, "How did you pull that one off? Come on, what's so, going on?" There? So first of all, if you know Missouri, it's called Missouri, so that's how they they pronounce it. But um, you know, again, I, I think Scott, you ever want to look at my history and, and all this and think maybe there's some inconsistencies. And I, I actually felt like all these decisions and moves were totally consistent. I was just trying to stick to my heart and do what I thought was best for me in my career at that time. You obviously, to move to a place like Missouri, you need to have a flexible you know, family member. Thank God for, for Sylvia to support me and say your first job, you know, you go wherever, you know, wherever you think is going to carry us and carry you. And so she gave me that courage and confidence. She's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So there was a tie there with, you know, some big 12 roots. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I think it, it gave me an opportunity to just treat really challenging things right off the bat to be a team physician, uh, to grow a practice, to grow a research infrastructure, to not, um, you know, it's amazing how uh, people want to collaborate with you when you're not in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so true. You know, I think point. there's a lot of power to that, uh, oh, uh, both point. regional, national, and international, um, and you know, supportive uh, chairman and and uh, and team members uh, at that time. So, you know, I what is it, 50, 60 percent of us move after two years? I mean, I stayed there eight years, uh, Scott. Yeah. And then finally, Sylvia's like, you know, you're from New York City. It's either one coast or the other, or Florida. So. You know, it is. There, there you go. So, no, but I love that. I mean, the, the idea of being able to take a job where you can establish yourself, establish yourself, you know, to be, a, you know, perhaps 
you know, a, a rising star and be able to get cases and be able to really do a lot and, and sort of drink, you know, from the fire hose as much as you can early on. And then from that, you develop relationships. I love that comment about how you move out. People want to collaborate with you, you know, because you're not next door. You're not competing for patients anymore. But hey, let's still write the paper together, you know. Uh, and, and so from there, then a unique opportunity comes, right? I mean, Stanford comes calling. It's hard to say no. Uh, they have an amazing program. The Innovation Center that's out there, a great orthopedic department, amazing sports, some of the greatest, you know, NCAA, you know, collegiate teams in the country. And, you know, it's kind of hard to say no. Do they call you? Tell us the story. Yeah, I think, um, you know, everything comes down to relationships uh, and then opportunity. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I spent a summer out of UCSF with one Mark Safran uh, when I was a kid as you know, undergrad or med school. I wrote tennis paper with him. We left clinic to go eat Chinese food during the day. I made him a rap mixtape, you know, uh, in the OR back when we actually had tapes. So, you know, that relationship we developed decades ago and kept in touch always. And, you know, there was wrong timing and then there was right timing and the timing was perfectly right. When I was a mean teenager looking for X, Y, or Z in my own, you know, academic opportunities, Sylvia was ready to make a move back to a more urban environment. Uh, what better? Better than, you know, uh, I always had dreamed of uh, being the head, you know, team doctor of one of these, you know, elite type teams. I had dreamed of being a fellowship director uh, and had that opportunity. And uh, frankly, just to, you know, come to a place like this where um, it's not just orthopedic Candyland, it's like, academia, you know, Candyland. I mean, every turn is someone who's at the top of their game uh, uh, in every discipline, uh, orthopedic or, or, you know, affiliated field. So, I mean, it's just been uh, a whirlwind uh, and it's been three years. Uh, you know, we're just obviously coming, coming through in the post-COVID, uh, you know, world. So just learning a little bit more about where I live and what I'm doing, but it's been a great uh, ride uh, so far. I love it. Do you know Do you know the Buford complex story by any chance from Donnie Buford? I don't. So, so I, I got to tell the story because it's very similar to what you just described. So Donnie grows up in Southern California and he gets to, to hang out at the SCOE Institute with all the big guys, you know, Dr. Snyder and so. And he develops this relationship in high school and he sort of identifies this anatomic thing with Snyder in the room. And they basically did an, an anatomy research paper on it and they actually identified it and they called it the Buford complex. I didn't know that Donnie Buford this is, is from the Buford Donnie complex. Buford when he was in like late that's, high school. How great is that story? That's amazing. Well, I guess Mark and I are slacking. We gotta <laughs> we gotta make up for lost time. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. So so you know it's interesting. So you know I had to call Sylvia to be able to confiscate your passport, so I knew that you were going to be in town exactly. for this interview because literally, <laughs> dude, I mean you have been all over the place, and I want to talk about that because I think that's really one of your great passions. And it seems to me like very early on in your career, you decided not just academics, not just team physician, but you wanted to be a part of national, international societies, you know, at the very highest level. And so you're a part of ANA, ISICOS, ICRS, the Biologica Association, all these studies, and, and you're very passionate about it. And, and you're, you're, you're a rising star within these committees. I mean, uh, for, uh, for AAOS, you're, you're the chair of the Sports Medicine Committee, if I'm not mistaken. So, so why is that? Where, where was the passion for that? Where's the draw from that? Why, are you get, why does that get you going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it all starts with the the people and the you know the thirst for uh, 
knowledge so that we can treat our patients better. I mean, that's where, it, you know, and basically from there, it just kind of started to, to grow. And, you know, I really enjoyed early on just volunteering at the OLC courses. I kind of clawed my way into John Fulkerson's course back in the day. And then, you know, again, first to show up, last to leave, lab rat to the max, you know, and then, you know, I'll teach or learn from anyone, you know, and that was just the way that I approached it. Uh, and I think that's kind of fun and contagious. And then, you know, obviously from there, you know, once you get an opportunity to, to try to shape these organizations and, you know, obviously um, to learn from the names that you read from, and now they're, you know, first your mentors, then colleagues, then really close friends. I mean, that's such a privilege and such a unique responsibility. And so, you know, for me, it's still sort of a uh, a whirlwind, uh, like anything, um, getting the right balance of uh, time in clinical, time in education, research, um, uh, home, uh, traveling internationally. You know, I think we continue to to figure this out. But these opportunities have been so special to me, and uh, um, I am just really proud that the different organizations have seen whatever they found in me and want to build on my internal energy and enthusiasm and passion uh, to help them. So, you know, it's amazing and it's, it's so palpable and, and you can see it online as we all follow you. And that's one of the other things I wanted to bring up and, and that's, you know, social media. I think that so many doctors still struggle with the concept, you know, Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to be able to talk about myself? We're not supposed to advertise. At least that's what we were told in the old day, old days. But, you know, you really, you're very passionate about your social media. You're very proud of the relationships that you've developed as you travel internationally and nationally and do these meetings. And so, so, so tell us, tell our listeners, you know, what's the draw for social media yeah. for you? What, what's the excitement about that? that gets yeah, you it's a great question. And it's obviously a larger, longer discussion. But I think, you know, it all started because uh, when I got busy at Mizzou wearing these different hats and I'm away from, let's say, my clinical team, no one knew where I was. They might have thought I was on the on the beach at Lake of the Ozarks or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, and so um, I needed some sort of an outlet for people, you know, staff and my patients to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. And then, um, you know, I think uh, from there, um, it's kind of grown into so much more and so many different levels. I mean, this is a truly a way that some of us know what each other's doing and it's some ways that we actually communicate and share the ability to, you know, to learn about tough cases in a de-identified fashion. Um, we're obviously all kind of figuring out uh, how to, um, you know, just from the knowledge base and what you talk about in the, in the you know, orthopedic community now to focus it so that your patients around your community know what you're areas of expertise are and what they should see you for like patellofemoral cartilage joint preservation meniscus transplants you name it and it's you know because it is out there uh in in a big way i mean i think um uh, i wasn't great at it early and i'm still evolving and i work you know i don't you, you don't want to spend all your time on social media and you don't want to get trapped in that that little world it's not the real world you know so uh, we have to maintain perspective, and I think we have to enlist the help of our teams. But I think in this day and age, it's 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 unfortunately a necessary or unnecessary evil that we that we need to tackle as a group. I mean, I really like your comment about how it helps to educate your patients about what you do mm -hmm. and about who you are, right? And so it's kind of nice when you open up the door to a new patient and you walk in, you know, confidently knowing that that patient really came there because they wanted to see Doctor Seth Sherman, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's half the battle to say, okay. You, you have this problem, you found me, 
uh, now let's go to work and see what we can do to heal you. And mm -hmm. so that's a very comforting thing for sure. And people use social media in a lot of different ways. Yours is very practical. It's very, you know, it, it's uh, expressing who you are, where you are and the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's, uh, it's really super Scott. well done. Yeah, I think it's also an accelerator for our relationships with each other. I mean, if you go to AOS, AOS is saying, I mean, it's a, it's crazy how we're just moving in a thousand different directions. And I can't even imagine how we used to have to, you know, catch up and, and say, what have you done the last year? What, you know, now I talk to someone, you know, where I've been, where, where you've been, we know who we've been communicating with. And let's say we connect on one specific thing. I could say, Hey, Scott, how are you? How is that? Um, you know, product that you're using in the OR and looked really great. What's the real deal? And so it's really allowed us uh, in some ways to kind of speed date orthopedics and cut through uh, some of the BS and to be efficient in our, you know, um, in building those networks and those relationships. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating how, how I see that at meetings uh, these days, whereas I did not see that at all before I had any kind of a uh, presence online. I mean, it's just great to be able to build consensus right time with experts, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, to call your buddy or, or text and say, hey, what do you got on this? Like, I, like just, just the other day, I was like, I got this tough patellar case. I got to do a cartilage thing. I give you, you a didn't text. call me. I, no, I did. I, I texted you, dude. You gave me an answer. Oh, I was, Come on, get I was in Finland. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, <laughs> of course you were. Where else would you have been? So, I had a telephone meeting. But you, you did text me back and you gave no, me some good advice. But that you're right. I mean, it's the interactions <laughs> and the relationships that we build that really help us to you know take care of our patients even better. So one of the things that we talked about before we came on is that you know, I'm developing this master brand class with Matthew Ray Scott, the beard, and uh, we're going to develop an online demand way for doctors to be able to really hone some of their skills on like social media, for example. And really what I, I'd love to have you on uh, to basically talk about, you know, how you developed your passion for, for societies and committee meetings and how you've climbed that, you know, that tree of really respect at this point, both nationally and internationally. So you're going to come on and give us a little yeah, special no, guest I would, star? I would love to do that, but um, uh, mostly mostly to learn, Scott. I oh, think, you know, there you so go. So much. Uh, no, truly. Um, you know, I think uh, um, the ability to just continue to critically evaluate it and to learn from each other is why we do most of the things that we do. And so that would be a really cool opportunity. I look at some of the stuff that I'm putting out there and, you know, I, I just look at it like how can I do this better or different you know that I don't look at it as this one's a home run you know it's, it's never you know you're only as good as your last uh your catastrophe yeah no well we all strive for perfection that's not possible but yeah. uh you know there is failure along the way but you pick yourself up and you keep moving for sure so you know as we're as we're getting ready to close here Seth and I mean I just love your your attitude your infectious personality give us something back to the listeners right now for, for the young orthopedic surgeons or the medical students or residents who say, you know, I really admire Seth Sherman for what he's doing at the committee level and at the societies. Tell us the best way to get started. How do you get started to find your way into one of these committees? Yeah, I think we're all in orthopedics, uh, you know, in general, um, you know, we fit a certain bill versus other subspecialties. I think one, we, most of us really love what we do. And I think that translates into, you know, inherently wanting to be a mentor and to teach. So I think uh, the key on the ground for these young guys is, or girls is to find uh, a good mentor or multiple mentors. It doesn't have to be a 
famous mentor. It can be a resident above them. It can be a, a junior attending or anyone just to give them that practical advice that they need early, right? Uh, about applications, about what we're really looking for on the med school residency and fellowship panels, um, you know, the real deal. And then I think from there, you know, those relationships build other relationships, collaborative networks, um, et cetera. And, and don't ever be afraid to come up to people who you think are above you. I mean, that just doesn't exist in, in orthopedics or at least in the groups that I run. And if you go in Patel Femoral or you are in a cartilage meeting and the meeting's over and you go up to, let's say, a great example, always a Jack Farr, right? I mean, Jack's going to stop and he's going to talk to whomever uh, it is. And he'll talk the same way to that person as if they're, you know, the president of AOS or a med student and with the same intellectual curiosity. And I, I think each of us in these types of fields that I love try to do that in, in our own unique ways. Um, and so I think just uh, finding those right mentors and building those opportunities and just showing up, putting yourself out there. Um, you know, unfortunately, the big thing you have to tell these kids, I mean, it's competitive and research matters. So do the dang research early. So it's not a stressor. You know, uh, everybody gets good grades and everyone can get a couple of letters. And, you know, I think, um, you know, just uh, those who get burned, who deserve to be here, just didn't have the planning and forethought to start just doing some of the research, getting some publications. So they're in the mix of the bell curve and then their true attributes can come out. And, and I feel like that's that's one of the biggest challenges for for some of the young uh, people who want to get to where where you are and where we are. Oh, great, great advice. So, you know, find a mentor develop relationships. You can't start too early, especially when it comes to the research. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great sound advice for our, for our young rising stars that are out there. Well, you know, look, Seth, I, I knew this was going to be a great conversation. You know, like I said previously, we just love your energy. You're always out there, you know, dedicating yourself to the advancement of orthopedics for the healing of patients, whether it be as a mentor to your residents, as a fellowship director, whether it be the research that you do, the societies that you're a part of, you know, it's just really a pleasure to call you friend and colleague. And we love this, you're sharing your story, third generation of sports medicine healers. Now, I appreciate it, Scott. And, you know, I think our uh, relationship has evolved and of recent, which just goes to show that, you know, all the amazing and unique opportunities we can have. And there's so many uh, outstanding colleagues out there doing amazing things. And it's just fun to get to know each of us, uh, you know, through this journey. So thanks for having me, man. And uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, I'm never grown a fro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got great hair. Just keep it perfect like that. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro host of the ortho show until next time.